0: Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast, hosted by Shalinda Kirby, a cervical cancer survivor, and Natalie Supes, a Crohn's warrior since 2007. Our goal is to give you proof that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. You can also follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Here are your hosts. We are so excited to have a second part uh, to the previous episode that you heard last week. We do have my good friend Kirsten Speck on the line with us. Uh, She's a business owner in Medicine Hat, Alberta. She's a new mom, a wife, a Crohn's warrior. She has arthritis. We learned that in in the episode last week. We learned a lot, actually. But something that I want to kind of touch on in this episode is pregnancy. Um, This is out of my realm, so I'm going to let Natalie kind of take this over. But um, as somebody who does not have Crohn's, I thought this was kind of interesting that um, I guess it, it happens to some people when they get pregnant that they no longer have uh, Crohn's symptoms. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so a certain percentage of Crohn's patients—I can't remember off the top of my head what that percentage is. Um, their Crohn symptoms will actually completely subside once they get pregnant.
2: They typically say it's one third. So one third will get into a flare, one third will have remission, one third will be as as normal. But what I've noticed, which is like why I'm so excited to chat with you and and talk about your infertility and everything as well. But what I've noticed in my like research, I guess, since becoming pregnant is. Any woman I've spoken to who has had Crohn's while pregnant, which has been quite a bit of women, like in the hundreds, have all gone into remission except maybe like five women who in nearing the end of the pregnancy had a little bit of a flare. But it it fascinated me because I always heard one third. So like it was kind of like fingers crossed. But the more I speak to women, the more I hear that, yeah, they were in remission through pregnancy. So. I would love to hear more about, first of all, your infertility journey and
0: yeah, how, that, start there. Yeah. how that
2: all happened and, and um, what did your doctors tell you that it was your Crohn's and like let us know that whole story. <laughs> so my husband and I have been together for five and a half years
1: and um, probably a little in, while into our relationship, maybe a year in, We just kind of, my husband is quite a bit older than I am. I'll just state that first. (laughs) Um, We kind of just decided we were going to, if it happened, happened type of deal. Um, We moved in together six months after knowing each other. And then a year after that, we kind of got engaged and made the decision, whatever happens, happens. Um, We knew we had not been using protection for about a year. So we decided to ask our family doctor for a referral to a fertility doctor just because I had always been told growing up that there is a pretty good chance that my Crohn's disease would play a factor in getting pregnant. Um, I had miscarried a few times prior to deciding to see a fertility doctor and we were super lucky at the time because our fertility doctor was local to Medicine Hat. We were referred in... November, I believe, of 2016, and my husband was diagnosed with testicular cancer a few months after that. Wow. So, not only did we have the struggle of fertility and Crohn's disease, we now had something like testicular cancer to deal with. Thankfully, he had surgery and he's been cancer-free since. But that surgery required them to remove one of his testicles. So when that happened, we didn't know what his sperm count going to be like. Is there going to be anything left? Kind of what happens then? So we took all of the appropriate steps. We had sperm frozen. Obviously, fresh is best when you're doing IVF, but something like that you can't control. So we took you know, all the precautions and our doctor was really great. He was like, you know, we want to make sure you have every chance you do, you can. So we did that before he had surgery, then he had surgery. Everything went really well. He's been cancer free since we did more testing afterwards and found out he did actually still have a really good sperm count post-surgery. So we ended up just using fresh. I, I, had to do four rounds of IVF. IVF is a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> there is no rhyme or reason to why any type of medication works for one person or the other. We had to do a number of tests to make sure, you know, your fallopian tubes aren't closed, um, how many eggs are you producing, that type of thing. Um, we did, we started in February of. 2016 February of 2016 is when we started Um, I started all the drugs we decided we wanted to do it in 2016 because we had already set our date and we were planning to get married in 2017 so February of 2016 we started our first round of drugs which if you've never had to give yourself a needle it is a very terrifying thought Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I started all the medication to basically plump your ovaries and produce as many follicles as possible. So with IVF, there's a lot of factors that go into when is the appropriate time to harvest your eggs or what is the appropriate time to go and do a transfer. There's a very small window where your uterine lining has to be and there's a very small window where sorry guys (laughs) can you give me one sec yeah for sure of course he's tired yeah do you want me to put him to bed quick i I can do it if you want i just have to put my kid down really quick yeah no it's all
0: good take your time yeah it's all good
1: Uh, i guess you're getting milk but sorry no this will be fine
2: are you breastfeeding no oh (laughs) (laughs) breastfeeding is friggin hard I've heard it's terrifying. (laughs) It's so
1: hard, especially when your boobs don't want to cooperate.
2: Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm scared of.
1: (laughs) And, like, my biggest advice to you about breastfeeding, I had, like, a horrific experience in the hospital. Um, Don't let anybody try to force you to do what you're not comfortable with in the hospital. I had a nurse that, like, literally grabbed my boob and, like, rammed it in my kid's mouth Uh, so hard.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Stop touching me. (laughs) This is not appropriate. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thanks,
1: one. Sorry. No, that's okay. Okay. Well, that's a relief. My kid's in bed.
0: Okay. Sorry. All good. No, no, all it's good. all good. Yeah. You're, <laughs> this is the part of the, we can edit this stuff. Yeah. It's all good. Hashtag mom life. Or just leave it in. Yeah, we'll <laughs> just leave it in. That's true. We got a good breastfeeding tip out of it, right? <laughs> okay, so where did we leave off of I believe uterine lining. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So, yeah, back to your uterine lining.
1: (laughs) So there's like a very
0: small window in how
1: thick your uterine lining is and how many follicles is too many. So I had finally gotten to the point where my body was ready. So when they give you or when they do IVF, you're on hormones for this and hormones for that, and then you're on something to stop you from ovulating until the precise time. And when you are ready to go for egg retrieval, you will literally get a call and they will tell you a specific time you have to give yourself a specific injection to make your body ovulate. It could be three o'clock in the afternoon. It could be one o'clock in the morning. It could be four o'clock in the morning. Whatever the time is, you have to set an alarm and wake your butt up and give you that shot. Wow! So we went through all of this medication, about $5,500 worth of medication. And I was finally where I needed to be. I had 23 follicles, which was really exciting between both ovaries. And The night before I was going to get my call about when I was supposed to do my transfer and give myself that shot to make myself ovulate, I went into something called hyperstimulation. And when that happens, it means your body is on overload of all of the hormones. And it's basically pointless to do a fresh transfer.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: So... We still went to Vancouver, we still did the egg retrieval, but we went there knowing that going through all of that, we weren't going to be able to try and have a baby, like we were going to have to wait. Wow. So traveled all that way, went for egg retrieval, which I will tell you is the most painful thing you will ever watch anybody go through, and um, ended up having to just
0: wait another like four or five months. Wasn't this when I had offered up my body (laughs) to house your child?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was... It was kind
0: of in and around that time. <laughs> yes, because you guys were struggling and I was just like, so it was heartbreaking to see somebody that you care about, you know, go through something like this. And as somebody like myself who has chosen not to have children in my own life, I've always toyed with the idea of being a surrogate. But it turns out that we learned um, that, you know, there's a huge process and I in Canada wouldn't even be given the chance unless it was something that we did prior Privately, um, because I have never had a child before, and they will—they wow. won't allow you to be a surrogate if you've never produced a child before. Wow, which is frustrating. I don't understand why, but whatever. Anyways, it was just funny because I had Kirsten on my show uh, in Medicine Hat on the radio to talk about how I had offered up to be a surrogate and people thought I was batshit crazy. <laughs> they were like, "They were like, what is happening? And at the time I was married and even my husband was fine with it. He was like, yeah, you know, like we knew we were going to have our own children, but he was completely supportive of me providing you Aww. know, a, a service I guess, <laughs> um, where I would you know, be a surrogate. Service. Yeah, a service that's me talking about having babies it's a service (laughs) anyways so yeah that was kind of around the time but uh, so after this lull in in uh you know a time where you weren't having any success what happened after that we had to basically
1: spend a couple of months through I think it was about four in total by the time we could start again um we had to wait for all of the drugs to come out of my body. And with IVF, you get hopped up on all these hormones and there is no weaning yourself off the hormones. It's literally you just stop. Cold turkey, stop giving your body all the medication, and it does crazy things to your body. And they basically want you to have two regular cycles or periods before they'll let you try again. When you go into something like hyperstimulation and when I say they it's kind of a blanket statement because every fertility clinic is a going to prescribe different information or information they're going to prescribe different medication they're going to have a different protocol so my experience may not be the exact same as somebody else's because it's going to be based on your doctor and your clinic but for them and my doctor specifically they wanted to have two regular cycles happen um, so your body kind of got back into sync with itself then you have to start the process all over again so you get the medication you're on the medication for however many weeks and you get yourself ready the only difference is you don't have to go through egg retrieval again or I didn't I should say it's really tough because every woman's body is different and Egg retrieval for some women, like myself, could mean you have 23 follicles, and out of 23 follicles, you get 20 eggs. And out of 20 eggs, 18 become embryos. It could also be the situation where you get three eggs out of five follicles, but you only end up with one embryo.
2: Yeah, I have a girlfriend who's pregnant right now, um, due around the same time as me, and they went through IVF, and it was they got four eggs, and it was on the fourth that... The fourth try that they finally got pregnant so it's and it, not every egg becomes an embryo exactly and it's craziest for someone like me who I got pregnant naturally thankfully after a while um, but I know of IVF because I have friends dealing with you know years and years of infertility but it's it's really crazy hearing it from like a more detailed perspective from your perspective because for me IVF in my mind was kind of like I know you guys have to take shots every day but that was kind of it you know so it's it's interesting to hear the 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 actual nitty-gritty yeah
1: yeah um I mean the initial first egg retrieval and the first transfer we did so it was February that I believe it was like June we went back um I was on a mixture of injections and pills and After, in June, I miscarried, Um, and then we went back in October, and I miscarried again after a transfer. And after that, you know, I had gone back three times in the course of a year, and I was really starting to lose hope Mm -hmm. because I was traveling to Vancouver from Medicine Hat to do all of this and it just was kind of seeming like what am I doing it for it's not working it's really tough when you're in it because you're in your own head mm-hmm. and there's nothing your husband can do for you there's nothing your friends can do for you because it's it's you and it's your body and it's your body that isn't cooperating for whatever reason that may be and it can be really tough mentally on mm-hmm. yourself
2: and when you say transfer do you mean like again someone who doesn't know really anything about IVF does that so they Take your egg and then do they take your husband's sperm and then put it into a dish and then put it back into you? Yeah. Is that correct?
1: So that's what they do when you first go for the retrieval. That all happens at that first initial appointment.
2: Okay.
1: And then however many embryos you get, they freeze.
2: So, like so that's like freezing little you, babies, right? Like the, yeah and, and, okay, <laughs> just like just so our listeners, plus me, can get better. So essentially, you could have tried eighteen times, basically, okay. yes, okay, gotcha. When you go for a transfer,
1: they're taking an embryo and they're implanting it into your
2: uterus, gotcha. hoping that it sticks okay so, so so with IVF, like when you go for a transfer, technically, at the beginning, you're pregnant. Is that true? No, no. Okay,
1: because you need the embryo to stick to your uterus to cause the chemical reaction that is pregnancy.
2: So they put it in your uterus, and then it needs to like attach it itself. It needs to do it.
1: Yeah, basically, okay. it needs to attach to your uterus. Got you. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> and it, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes okay. you implant an embryo, and you get something called a chemical pre- pregnancy, yeah. where you, you get a positive at your at home test. But when they run the blood work,
2: the numbers just aren't high enough so they know that pregnancy is not viable. Right. And this is the same thing that can happen when trying to for naturally, right? To anybody. Yeah, it can
1: definitely happen to anybody. Okay. Um, And then in the new year, after we'd gone back in October with another failed pregnancy or transfer, I guess, um, I kind of had lost hope and, and was really starting to consider surrogacy at that point. And my doctor looked at me and said, "Don't you dare give up on me yet mm. we're We're not there yet. We're going to get you pregnant. Just just have a little face. And na, like with IVF, they typically don't like to put more than one embryo in because there's always a chance that embryo is going to split. So if you put two embryos in, there's a chance you could have twins, obviously you could have triplets because one embryo gets split or you could have quadruplets because both embryos. Oh my goodness. And the more babies you have, the higher risk pregnancy you are. Mm -hmm. So on my fourth go, you could say, I asked my doctor to switch my drug protocol, which again, this comes back to advocating for your own health because nobody is going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you don't agree with whatever treatment is happening at your IVF clinic or your IVF doctor. If you don't feel like the medication you're taking is benefiting your, your journey to a baby, then say something because for me, one of the pills was a vaginal suppository and half of it would fall out all the time. And it just never stayed where it needed to stay. Um, And all I could think was how is my body absorbing the appropriate amount of medication if it's not all staying where it needs to stay so I said to my doctor I don't think this is working I would like to try something else so at that point the option was to go to another injection so I was doing two injections every day for my last IVF transfer and I had finally convinced him to sign off on them transferring two embryos. I said, if it's twins, whatever it is, I'm okay with it. Typically, they say if you transfer more than one embryo at a time, you have, you're have, you more likely to have success. So on the last go, we changed up my drug protocol. We transferred two embryos instead of one, and my son is now 14 months old.
0: Yay! And that's where Bodhi came in. (laughs) Yes, and that's
1: where Bodhi came in.
0: That's so exciting.
1: Um, And it's really hard, and IVF is a very hard topic for some people. It's a very taboo topic for some people, for whatever the reasons may be. It is. I have had people I've met within the IVF community who have said to me, thank you for always being open and honest and advocating because – I can't do it. For me, it's not something I can be open about, but I am so thankful people like you are open about it. And my hope is that by talking about it more, whatever the reason is you required fertility treatment, even if it's an IUI or it's just, you know, you needed something to, to help stimulate to get pregnant. It's, it shouldn't be embarrassing. No. It's more and more common than you would ever realize. And if, you truly want to have a baby like allow science to help you. Mm-hmm. And if i can help one person by being open about it or if one person wants to message me and just say hey, can i talk? Absolutely, message me, let's talk because i know for me being open about it and talking about it was better because i think if you bottle all that up and you're you're quiet about everything, when something happens like a loss, you're disappointed, and you're upset and you're hormonal because of all the drugs you're on. And the best thing you can do is have people who know who can support you, who can be there for you. Yeah. Because it's really trying
2: on your mental health, not just your body. Yeah. And it's tough for the people around as well. Like, I have a few girlfriends who are dealing with it um, in the moment. And I've had a girlfriend who told me, like, she can't stand when people offer uh, surrogacy to her and it just infuriates her because it makes her feel like inadequate but when when i was offered to me um when i was trying because we were trying for about a year it it, like it didn't make me angry it was kind of just like thanks but no thanks like you know but for you it was yeah exactly and for you it was like uh, something you considered so every single woman dealing with it is going to feel a certain different way so yeah it's
1: and every woman like we have friends who get IVF and they got pregnant on the first try yeah. and their son is a little older than ours. And that's why I say IVF is a crapshoot because there is no rhyme or reason to why something works or doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I'm so... It's so important to advocate for your own health and I can't, like, drive that home enough because nobody is going to do it for you. And I learned that... With Crohn's, I learned that with fertility treatments, you have to push for what you think is right for your body. Yep. If you aren't happy with the way things are going at a fertility clinic, you are not bound to that fertility clinic. You can ask for another referral. It doesn't maybe isn't in the same city, but you can ask to go somewhere else. Same because, with GIs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Same with GIs. If you are not happy, you don't have to stick it out with a doctor Amen. because you think that's your only option. It's not your only option.
2: Yeah, and and so many people stick around for these doctors who treat them like garbage, don't remember what's going on, put them on every medication. It blows my mind because uh, the doctor sees you for 10 minutes. You know your body.
1: Yes. Yeah. You live with your body day in and day out. You know it better than anybody else.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, to wrap this up, we ask one last question, and that question is, so what does success mean to you? For
2: me, I think success is being happy
1: with the balance in your life, being happy with what you do for a living. So my work makes me happy, and I think that, in a sense, makes me successful. But balancing that with being at home with my husband and my kid also makes me successful because you want to be successful in work but I think you also want to be successful when it comes to your marriage and being a mom and all of the things that go along with that. It's a great
0: answer. Love it. <laughs> so good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life and uh, busy day to uh, talk to us on our podcast. We yes. really appreciate the fact that you were able to talk to us so long that we made it into two episodes. Yes, so so cool. make sure to listen to both episodes. And yes, thanks again for joining us, yes. Kirsten. And
2: before we let you go, is there anything that you want to say to our listeners or anything you want to pitch or get them to take a look at? Or yeah, the floor is yours.
1: No, I think it just comes back to really just being an advocate for your own health and reaching out if you are struggling, reaching out maybe to anonymously to somebody or not even anonymously, reaching out over whatever platform it may be to talk to somebody who's in a situation may be more helpful than you can imagine because there are people who probably understand to some extent what you're going through and find somebody who you can relate to and talk to because at the end of the day, I think talking about things is more helpful than not.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you like our show and want to know more, follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Join us next week for an all-new episode.